just a couple of thoughts as you uh, kind of wind down and get prepared for the Day of Atonement. I, I do pray you fast, you pray, and just be still before God, and especially a pray for Israel. That's, mm. uh, it is a day. Pray for the church. Pray for your pastor. Pray for. Pray for the. Keep it in the in the corporate mentality. That's the the, mm. the bigger picture. Try not to focus on yourself. But uh, focus on Jesus in a way that you never have before to allow him to or allow to see him in his role as that high priest. Maybe go through Hebrew and just that book of Hebrews and just kind of look and maybe see where you've never seen before what he's doing for you in your salvation, uh, forgiving you, healing and all the things he's doing as that high priest. It's a. Amazing read through the book of Hebrews. Oh, yes. All right. Unpacking Revelation. It's a day of atonement or judgment day. One day. We don't know when, but it's coming. John's encounter with Jesus in the book of Revelation takes place on the day of atonement. So, needless to say, a lot of the themes are day of atonement themes, and they won't make sense in any other respect. Revelation 1.10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. The first thing John heard was a voice like a trumpet. Feast of Trumpets announces the days of awe, including the Day of Atonement. The phrase, the Lord's Day, now, that's a, a Greek word in our, in our Bibles. It's a phrase unique to the Bible. By the second century, it was applied to Sunday, but there's really no biblical reason to use it that way. The only day that Jesus ever refers to as his day is the day of his coming. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines through the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. So the Lord's day may simply be another way of saying the day of the Lord. So mm. it probably is. The day of atonement was and will be the Lord's day. It was a day of judgment in which the true spiritual condition of everyone is revealed. And it will be when he returns to bring judgment to the earth and rescue his people. So, you know, the book of Revelation at times can seem scary, but it's only scary if you're opposed to God. If you're for him, it's a great book and a great story with a great ending. This first part of the judgment is a courtroom scene for the investigation. If you look at Revelation then that, in Daniel 7, he says, He watched till thrones were put in place, the court was sealed, and the books were opened. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him, also Daniel 7. The same number of angels are present in the judgment scene of Revelation. I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. So, same scene. In Daniel 7, books were open. Revelation 20, books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works or the things which were written in the book. Now, since Revelation is written in what they call a chiastic structure, like a mirror against a mirror, we can see the investigations in chapter 4 and 5, like, you know, I don't know, that Peter Falk, the old Columbo thing. Ah, one more question. It's <laughs> chapter 4 and 5. And then we also see the verdict carry out by the 144,000 in chapter 14. So it's kind of looking at each other beginning to ending. Another key symbol in the investigation phase are eyes. The lamb has seven eyes. And the four living creatures who are around the throne are full of eyes in front and in back, around and within. Eyes symbolize Jehovah's judgment and separation of the righteous from those who are not. The eyes of Jehovah have two related functions, to watch and protect his children like any good parent, and to discern the wickedness of his enemies. Uh, Chronicles 16.9 says the eyes of Jehovah are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Um, so that's Proverbs 15. 
Second Chronicles, the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So you notice those eyes, two functions there. You also have seven lamps and seven spirits. There's seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Revelation 4, 5. Even while the judgment of the Day of Atonement is being carried out, the daily intercessory ministry of Jesus, which is the lamps, the bread, the incense, it's still taking place. He's in the tabernacle. He, being Jesus, is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So that never stops, that constant intercession. Since the seven lampstands are the seven churches, we know that because it says that, seven lamps show the presence of the Spirit. Jesus is the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. But while he's in heaven, he has sent the Holy Spirit to bring his light through the fruits and gifts of the Spirit in the lives of us believers. Mm. You'll hear the phrase, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Ordinarily, the high priest's outfit had bright colors and a breastplate of precious stones. But on Yom Kippur, the high priest was required to take off the glorious robes in exchange for simple white linen garments in order to go into the Holy of Holies. He, d he is girded by this golden sash uh, up upon his chest. He looked like any other priest, and this foreshadowed Jesus, our great high priest, putting aside his heavenly glory, putting on flesh to become one of us, and yet remaining holy. The high priest wore a crown of pure gold called a nezer, which comes from the word nezer, or we would say nazar, but this word means to dedicate, to consecrate, and sacredly separate. You probably recognize the word Nazarite there. Mm. They vow to be separate from the world, uh, and that word comes from this root. We're all called a royal priesthood in 1 Peter 2.9, and we're also called to live a holy life, dedicated to God, separated from the world and our thoughts and intentions. You notice a lot of those themes of what's happening mm. on Yom Kippur, right? Yeah. Daily negativity, cynicism, and impurity are battling for our focus. We want to, They want to keep this uh, place dirty. The blood comes in to cleanse it all, right? So that's the whole purpose of it. So we will dwell on things that are depressing and pure and evil as bad. But these thoughts have to be taken captive. They get a foothold. So if we crown ourselves, Nezer, with thoughts that are pure, we'll be changing the world around us. So our job is to act in that sense, too, as this high priest, is, is to allow him to take the thoughts in our mind, to take them captive. Mm -hmm. That's kind of our job of it. His job is really does all the hard work. <laughs> Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. That's all about that crown on this high priest's head. So, again, without looking through the eyes of the Day of Atonement, a lot of the things in Revelation, just, they're just stuff. They don't make any sense. But... If you line them up with the Day of Atonement, it does. So what does repentance look like? It's pursuing a deeper level of dedication and consecration. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. One of the things the high priest had to do is just this continual bathing and cleansing and purifying himself. Romans 12, 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's just a, a few little things in a nutshell. But I believe the most important message you can take away from this Day of Atonement is that God has called you to be part of a royal priesthood that is not only holy or separate, but is bringing life to the earth by sharing the gospel with the lost 
to bring atonement to the world. And I think that's the point. If you can hit that point, you will have achieved much.